Welcome to Unlock Financial Independence, the number one financial independence podcast for physical therapists. I am your host, Matt McClanahan. Welcome back, my financially savvy physios. I am your host, Matt McClanahan, and thank you for joining me for another episode of Unlock Financial Independence, where I help physical therapists just like you unlock your path to financial freedom while working as a physical therapist. If you're new to the channel, welcome. If you found or if you find the show valuable, I would love it if you subscribed and left me a review on Apple Podcasts. And for new and old listeners alike, go ahead and subscribe to the once per month newsletter, which will be linked in the show notes for monthly tips on things like travel hacking, the state of student loans, listener wins, and more. On today's show, we're talking about car loans. Yes, most of us have them. Most of us are driving paid off cars, although that is the goal. And I hope uh, that you get a lot out of today's conversation because only second to our rent, it is the biggest monthly expense. So according to the 2022 Consumer Expenditure Survey from the U.S. Bureau of Labor Statistics, I know that's a mouthful, transportation is the, is the typical American's largest expense, only second to housing, the, and it's $819 is the average that a person spends on their, not just their car loan payment, but also their car insurance, maintenance, and gas. $819. That's a lot of money. Um, quite a bit of money. And I'm going to get into break, breaking down, giving a practical example of, of how that is quite a lot of money. Okay. So my monthly spending, for example, on my car. So a little bit of backstory. In 2022, I had been driving a paid off 2008 Kia Optima no monthly payment, only quite low car insurance on it, parked outside the house, drunk driver rams the back of it, totals it. I mean, it was not worth much. It was kind of a beater. I didn't love it, but it got me from point A to point B. It did what I needed to do for me, right? And I went from having a pretty low, maybe one to $200 payment a month to now I purchased a vehicle that um, back in 2022, that now cost me $200 per month for the car loan, $180 per month for the car insurance, $75 in gas. And so far, I've estimated that I've spent about $35 on average per month in maintenance for the vehicle. And that total comes out to $490 per month average spending. So um, I wanted to drop that number in there, 490, because I'm going to come back to it and give a practical example here in a minute. So when we purchase a newer used uh, car, why do we usually feel the need uh, to purchase a new or upgrade a car? Um, and a couple of reasons I've thought about. One, sometimes it's just social signaling or status, right? Uh, if your close friend group is all having kids and they're purchasing, um, I, I don't know, a new van instead of running with their older van. Or if your friend group is purchasing a bunch of souped up trucks or um, or whatever it may be, vehicles uh, can sometimes signal status and that we have maybe more money than we actually do. And so that can be a, per a reason that we may feel that urge to purchase, whether subconsciously or not, right? 
sometimes right when people graduate, you'll see those posts that I did a big thing, right? People will say, I did a big thing. And they feel like an adult because they've made this, they've upgraded their car. They just got this new uh, PT job and they want, they, they feel they, they deserve that, um, that, that, that new vehicle or new, whatever it is. Right. And uh, sometimes people just uh, their way of letting out stress is purchasing things. And once you get a new job that brings in a lot more money than being a broke student was bringing in, uh, maybe your way of rewarding yourself for getting through something is purchasing, uh, purchasing a vehicle, right? A new vehicle or gently used, but still quite high monthly payment vehicle, right? So the thing that I want people to think about, um, especially those of you that are on listening to this podcast, you're interested in financial independence. So you're already going to be hopefully be making smarter decisions. But I want you to think about a couple things before you make that new vehicle purchase. What is the purpose of the vehicle in your life? Right. Um, if if you have to haul multiple kids, then it makes sense that you're probably going to need something like a, a crossover, uh, a SUV. Uh, maybe a truck um because that you're basically you're you're going to need the extra space uh not only for the 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 people but also their things right um maybe you're more into outdoor adventures so you're going to want something maybe that can have good uh uh towing capacity i was going to say towing and hauling and i was about to say the word towing capacity uh maybe you're going to need um something that can tow right maybe you want something that you can sleep in maybe you want something that you can build out uh whatever it is right uh you you want a vehicle that fits that need right others they just need to get from point a to point b more often than not right and that's going from work to home and work to the gym and then gym to home and at that point, your decisions are a little bit different, right? And then, uh, for instance, home health PTs. Maybe you're looking for a vehicle that not only gets you from point A to point B, but does it efficiently, right? Really good gas mileage, right? And then something else to think about here is sometimes people might talk themselves into getting a bigger vehicle because they anticipate doing certain activities but those certain activities only come every so often. So what do I mean by that? Let's say that 90 to 95% of the time, you're getting from point A to point B, right? You're going from home to work and back, right? But then there's maybe once or twice a year that you decide to take uh, a big trip and you want a truck that can, uh, I don't know, tow a boat or tow an RV or something like that. Well, when you, if you actually factor, so, so sometimes people will talk themselves into purchasing that truck for when those adventures come up, they're going to be able to have something to do that job. Right. But there's plenty of websites out there now that you can rent someone's, um, RV, their, their truck camper, different things. If that's the lifestyle you want to do for, I don't know, maybe $200, uh, a night. And then maybe even if you book it for like a week, they might even give you like a 10 to 20% discount, right? So you have to actually factor in the math. What is the monthly cost of that car that's significantly cheaper than a truck that gets you from point A to point B for 90 to 95% of your, your year uh, versus 
paying the extra, the monthly fees, the insurance, the gas on a bigger truck that for only 5% of your year is actually going to be used for those extra capabilities that it has. Is it actually going to be cheaper to go with the car that's probably going to be better on uh, fuel efficiency, cheaper gas, so on and so forth, that gets does 90 to 95%. And then you just pay a little bit of a premium on your uh, your your vacations, right? When you just rent that, that RV off of one of those websites. And uh, what is that total cost per year compared to when you purchase a truck that you're going to have a lot of increased costs throughout the year? And then on top of that, when you purchase the truck, sometimes it comes with, well, now we got to pull the camper, right? So even though if you're just purchasing that truck, there's going to be some hidden potential fees down that line that you want to consider and think about when it comes to purchasing a vehicle. Okay. So, all right, let's get the, let's talk about this in the context of a paycheck. Okay. So if you make, let's say $76,000, uh, and I'm in a no income state tax. So that's what my example is off of your every other week paycheck is going to be $2,300 or monthly is going to be $4,600 round numbers just to make life easy. Now in the previous, uh, what I said above was that in 2022, the average payment for a car was $819 per month on average. That's nearly 18% of your monthly income. And like most Americans, if they're pushing their, uh, their, renting up to that 30% mark. Now we're talking about 48% of someone's income is tied up in two different expenses, rent and car. That is nuts. That's insane. Um, sometimes that's the that's just the nature of the, the city you live in, but that is insane. Nearly 50% of your income is just going towards two things, right? So let's think about it this way. Say we're not average, right? Say you're me and I have the used car. And honestly, my car is a little bit expensive, but um, that's a conversation for another day. So let's say that, um, that, so the average American, $819 per month is the average. Let's subtract out what I pay, $490 on average per month for my vehicle. The difference there is $319. Now, we can think of it this way. If I am, quote, saving about $319 compared to the average American, Let's see what happens if I just invest that difference, right? So at a conservative 8% return, and remember, this is the power of compound interest uh, in the market, right? 8% return, it will become $55,000 in 10 years, $104,000 in 15 years. And if the car that I'm getting that's used can go to 20 years, that's $175,000. So by just making the decision to get a car that does the job that it's supposed to do and not that just in case I want to do X, Y, and Z, it's going to it's going to return, if you invest that difference, $175,000 in 20 years. Now, now let's assume that if you if the car becomes paid off or you bought a car outright, so you never even had a car payment, that opens up an extra $200 per month to invest, right? Be- the reason I say 200 is because my car payment is $200, remember? But my insurance is 180, my gas is 75, and the maintenance is 35. So on average, I'm not going to get rid of my car payment entirely, but the loan I can get rid of, which right now is that $200.
So if the car does get paid off and that opens up that extra $200 to invest, let's look at that math. So before we had $319 difference to invest. Um, and now we have $200 extra. So we now, now we have $519 to invest. And at that conservative 8% compounding interest, that will become $99,000 in just 10 years. So if you pay off your, if you purchase a car outright and you never have a payment and you invest that difference, just the difference in only the car, not like I'm putting away just for like retirement specifically, but this percent that could just go towards a car, that's going to be $99,000 in 10 years, $169,000 in 15 years. And if that car can last 20 years, that's $285,000. Now, some of you are like, Matt, a car doesn't last like 20 years. That's insane. I would disagree with you. I had a 2008 Kia Optima that uh, was doing just fine. I think I had about 100 and maybe 30,000 miles on it in 2022 when someone rear-ended it. And so I think I actually got it in probably 2007, early late 2007, early 2008. Um, so it lasted about 14 years. So it easily was going to hit that 15-year mark. So that's $169,000 if I invested that difference, right? But I definitely think I could have pushed it to that 20-year mark. And that difference, like I said before, would have been $285,000 if I invested the difference from uh, not having that car loan, right? So say you purchase a used car, like I did currently, right? How do you decide if you should pay that car loan down fast or if you should just invest? But this isn't financial advice, but here's how I personally am approaching this. The market, like I said before, will usually return about 8%, but on average, it has returned really kind of like 10% over a 10-year period. So if you have equal amount of money in the market or invested... Uh, same kind of analysis, same kind of phrasing there compared to the cost of your loan on your car. So let's say you have $10,000 in a brokerage account and you have $10,000 car loan, right? And kind of comparing apples to apples here. We can assume that if your car loan interest rate is less than what you think you can make in the market, you may consider investing more in the market versus paying the car down. So real life example, my car loan interest rate is 4%. I think that I can get at least 8% in the market over the next uh, five to uh, 10 years long-term her, uh, time horizon here, hopefully can return that in the next five years as well. Um, so I'm most likely not going to aggressively try to pay down my car um, versus just continuing to invest in the market. But that being said, if you hate having debt, right? If you can't sleep at night, you're like, God, I just want this car loan paid out. Regardless of what you can make in the market, you may, may be more aggressive with getting that car paid off. And once it is paid off, you could invest that money that you were throwing towards that car loan. You can invest that into the market once the car's paid off. The other thing that you can also do is you can even uh, try to call your uh, car loan servicer uh, or the car lending, the loan lender, uh, whatever they're called, uh, you can try to get your interest rate lowered to see if that even makes it more, I guess, uh, of an easier financial decision to 
either pay it off or invest in the market, right? So what should you do this week to to, to help kind of solidify this? For people that are listening with a new-ish car, let's say like, I don't know, less than five years old, something like that. Assess if your car you own is serving you for the cost that you're paying. Ask yourself, can you be equally as happy with a cheaper car? And by cheaper, I don't mean a beater, but truly just a cheaper car that is equally as nice. And then is the car you own currently worth the potentially significant gains that you can make in the market, as I stated earlier, right? Okay, so now for you people with a used car payment, are you able to get that? I want you to think, are you able to get a lower interest rate on your car loan? See if you can look into that. Is your used car a newer used vehicle or much older? If newer, should you trade it in and get a cheaper model? Something to consider. And is the car you own currently worth the potentially significant gains you can make in the market? And honestly, this is maybe a question I should ask myself. Given my situation with I'm about to move back home, um, I'm not going to be working for a few months. I got to decide like what 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 is my current car's role in my life and is there a better car for me right now? And then for people with a paid off car, congrats. You are doing great. Um what are you doing with that extra income you have each paycheck? Is that money working for you in your favor? That's something you really should think about. Because if you don't have that car payment each month, you're still having to pay for car insurance, gas, and then any maintenance costs on that. And maybe you should be saving for those maintenance costs, those unexpected ones, if you haven't yet. But what are you doing with the extra money that you um, maybe haven't thought that it's extra money that could have been going towards a car, right? Hopefully, you're investing that or doing something that you really enjoy and being at peace with that, okay? So in summary... Buying a car is the second biggest monthly expense just after housing. Buying a new car is almost never worth it in the early phases of building financial wealth. Don't let societal pressures creep in to convince you to buy a shiny new car. Think about what the car will do for you and you and your use of it. Can you find a can you find one a few years older that does the same job? Question to ask yourself. Ask yourself if the cost is worth the loss of potentially over $100,000 in the next 10 to 15 years. Paying down the car you own is a personal decision based on your comfort with the debt, the interest rate, and your thoughts about how much you can make in the stock market. All right, y'all. That's all I got for you today. Um, but don't forget to subscribe to the monthly Financially Savvy Physio newsletter where I send out travel rewards hacks and financial information specific to physical therapists. And follow me on Instagram and YouTube, Unlock FI Rehab on all platforms. Until the next time, y'all, peace.